missional communities, New Hope family. As you know, on these missional community Sundays, I'm hoping that we can take time to kind of dig a little deeper into one or more of the thoughts from the the chapel service and really discuss it as a group. This is our opportunity to say, what do you think, brothers, sisters, friends? uh, How do we apply God's truth to our lives? And I think that God actually in this particular week... um, has a, an amazing opportunity for us really to put this into practice. If you recall in the chapel service previously, uh, the, the topic was looking at these huge issues in our world and saying, well, what are we going to do about it? These things that seem like they're so far beyond us, we feel like there's no hope that we could change things. What are we going to do about it? And we talked about Jesus inviting us to opt out of the world and the way that it plays, the rules by it plays by, but to put on a demonstration. So there's an invitation to not just do what the world does, but instead to put on a demonstration of how God applies to the situation, what God's thoughts are, God's kingdom, and then to make sure that our motivation is always by love. You know, the only thing that counts is faith working itself out in love, faith expressing itself in love. And so we talked about that. One of the examples we used on Sunday was uh, just violence, you know, racial violence or other violence, police violence. And now in the subsequent days, we've had the completion of the Derek Chauvin trial. He was found guilty of murdering George Floyd. So the trial has come to a close. And now if you are like me, you find yourself in many conversations after that, about this, this important event, and people with their opinions, pros and cons, people who are taking one side, taking another side, people who see things one way, people who see things another, but all these conversations are happening now, and I want to be able to have this conversation within a circle of Christian friends, but not just another one of these conversations that's all just opinion-based and divisive, but actually a unifying conversation where we wrestle with things together and say, what does God want us to do about this? You know, this trial, this situation, what are we going to do about it? Is there anything you can do about it? If we weren't on the jury, well, we couldn't be involved with coming out with the verdict. You know, if we weren't there at the event itself about a year ago, we couldn't intervene, we couldn't do that. If we're here and distant, how do we get involved in that situation? Or do we apply it to our situations? Like, how, how do we act? How do we react? These are the conversations that we find ourselves in. And so I would like to use that as the topic of conversation for us in our missional communities this weekend. If you're like me, when you're in those conversations, they go something kind of like this. Someone says, did you hear about what happened with the trial? Did you hear the verdict? And you say, yeah, I, I did. Like, wow. And you just kind of both like, respect the enormity of the case and its implications and ripple effect in society and how everybody is going to respond to this in a very uh, galvanizing sort of way. And so you talk about it and then someone says, well, did you hear this? You're like, oh yeah, I heard that. And I was actually reading and I found out this. And you start bringing in a little more information. And they say, what do you think about that? And you're like, well, I I don't know. I, I think this part was right. I think this part was wrong. And you start to kind of like express your stance, your opinions on the situation from the information you're gathering and from what you learned from this other person. And so the conversation kind of becomes information handouts, like pass around. Uh, it becomes uh, an opinion exchange. 
And it, often it just ends there. And you walk away feeling like, oh, wow, just heavy-hearted about the situation. Sometimes you walk away feeling angry at the person you talked to because you just ended up, instead of discussing it, you were just arguing with each other. So, no, that's not what happened. I think this is what happened. Oh, and I heard this, so instead of it even being something that brings us into a conversation, it's something that then divides us. You know, regardless of whether you get along or don't get along, whether you end amicably or whether you end at odds, uh, it's very rare that the conversation ever turns into a spiritual conversation. Maybe in some cases it gets to the point where, where one of you, assuming you're both believers in this particular conversation, or one of you says, man, yeah, I'm just really praying for our country right now. I'm praying for those families of those in that situation loved ones, relatives, friends, what must it be like for them? Think about what it must have been like to be a juror in that case with the eyes of the world upon you. And so maybe it gets to that point where we just acknowledge that there are things out of our control. You know, what am I going to do about that? But does it ever get to the point where we actually do something about it? And, and what do you do? And does it ever get beyond just sort of passing thoughts back and forth, an idea exchange? See, I'm convinced that we've been trained, and I can only speak for myself, so uh, Americans living in this age, in this era, in this part of the country, maybe it's broader than that, but from what I've seen in my experience, we're not trained to do anything about anything. We're trained to talk about stuff, we're conditioned to just discuss it and to get all heated, but never to actually do anything about it. We're conditioned to kind of protect things as they are, keep things as they are, don't rock the boat. And that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus would be walking along the way and he would situa see situations and he would stop with his disciples and he'd say, look at that scenario over there. What does the word of God say about this? What can we learn and do about this situation? He had teachable moments. I think this is a teachable moment for us as Christians. What are we going to do about it? But the way that we discuss it needs to be the application of God's thoughts to it, not just the trading of our own thoughts. We need to take truth from God and apply it to this situation, and then we can only have a hope of knowing what we could even do about it. I would like us to opt out of the just information exchange. Where does that get us? You heard this, I heard this, you heard this, I heard this. Where, where is that going? Well, now we know more information. We still haven't done anything in the world. We've not followed the golden rule. We've not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We've not done a thing. And if we trade opinions, maybe some good opinions, some wise ones, but maybe they're not. Have we yet done anything? I want us to opt out of this sort of like conditioned chatter into demonstrating what God's word can do in this world, the application of God's word. What would it be like if we took scripture and applied it to this situation? What would our conversations look like if when we're discussing, we say, well, the Bible says this, or I know that it's true, and then we quoted something from God's opinion and applied it to it. How would we, how would we do that? Well, first of all, we need to know kind of what the Bible says to be able to apply it. But then also we'd have to kind of work it out. It's not a one-to-one. -one. It's here's a principle, and now here's a scenario. How do you apply this principle to this instance? And are we motivated by love? When we get into these conversations, are we trying to love the person that we're discussing this topic with? Or are we just fighting with them? Are we against them? Are we dividing? Then are we operating in love? 
when we're trying to act in the world in a manner to affect change? Is it because we love the world and we don't want to see sin make a mess of things? Are we motivated by God's love? Are we demonstrating how God would want to handle the situation versus ourselves? Or are we just caught in the loop, the endless, endless loop? So in my mind, as I was thinking about this, I realized this is exactly the description of a righteous man that we find in Psalm 1. Do you remember that Psalm 1 person? They're described as being like a tree planted by streams of water and their fruit bears fruit in season. They bear this fruit. At the right moment, their actions and their words, they come out. Why? Because it says this man daily, this woman daily meditates upon God's word, God's law. So that when these situations and conversations happen, we can bear fruit because we've been rooted in it. But Psalm 1, again, I'll read it in just a second. Psalm 1 also says that typically the way people handle these things is they become mockers. And how often do these conversations just devolve into ridicule? Oh, I can't believe they did that. Oh, yeah, the police this. Oh, yeah, the black community this. Oh, yeah, Christians this. Oh, yeah, Republicans this. Oh, yeah, Democrats this. Like, just pick the label that you want. And it becomes insult. It becomes mockery. It becomes scoffing. And... The Bible says that's an example of foolishness. That's an example of a wicked response to life, just to become a mocker. How many of our news outlets, how many of our conversations just devolve into mockery? There also says in Psalm 1, though, one of the common responses that people have are just to take bad advice. So sometimes we read a book And all of a sudden, that author becomes the gospel. Oh, well, I read it in this book, and this is what it says about racism in America, or this is what it says about Christianity, or this is what it says about the the Floyd trial. Like, I read this. What if it's just bad advice? Don't take the bad advice. It's going to lead you in a bad direction. I want to take God's advice. I want to be the tree planted in the water, not just taking counsel from the wicked. So there's, there's scoffing, there's, there's bad advice taking, and the third bad response that Psalm 1 would give us is actually just going in the same direction, walking the same road as the wicked people around us. We can get so angry about violence that we become violent. How ironic and how foolish is that? I can't believe this, and so then I become violent and fight against it, do the exact same things. I hate how people act this way and talk this way, are so like aggressive in their opinions, and yet we're being aggressive in our opinions. We just level ourselves down to the lowest common denominator. I see these three things happening all the time, and yet I want to be like that person who bears fruit in that situation. What if every conversation we have about the Chauvin trial is an opportunity to share what God thinks about that? what scriptures even apply. This is what I want us to to work at. So I'm going to read Psalm 1, kind of think just a little bit more about how this applies to us. But at the end of this kind of introduction to this conversation, I'm just going to put a few verses up on the video. And I ask that in your missional community, one by one, you just read these verses aloud. This is an exercise you can do alone because the whole point of working this out, this kind of workshop mentality, is that you are not the only one involved in this and our thoughts are not the answer. And it's precisely in talking with others who don't see things the way we do 
It's precisely in those moments that both of us can see two different points and then say, well, where is God? And we can point towards God's thoughts on the matter. So it needs to be discussed and wrestled with. You know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. So let me read Psalm 1 for us and then just take the scriptures that you see on the screen there and and read them aloud. Whether it's you and your spouse or you and your roommate, you and your friend, you and your brother and your sister, uh, in a missional community, in the living room, outside, wherever you find yourself, talk about how are we going to apply God's truth to the situation? How can we opt out of the, the sin of this world and actually demonstrate God's way is better? We first need to know what God's way is, and that should be what we're doing all the time on our own. That's really your job and it's my job to just be planted in God's word and just reading it a little bit of every day and trying to absorb as much as we can. Because then we find ourselves in a season, a season where certain topics are prominent, you know, forefront of our minds and conversations. Well, then we can bear fruit. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. So here's Psalm 1. Let's just listen to it together and see if it can give us encouragement as we think about how to make an impact for God's love in the world, especially in such difficult conversations and situations. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man, so happy is the man, favored. It will go well with the man or woman. Blessed is the person who doesn't take the world's options, who opts out of these three responses. So let me read them, the negative ones here. Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. You will be blessed if you don't take bad advice from people who don't know better or from people who intentionally are trying to manipulate. But don't take bad counsel. Don't take the advice of friends, of secular or Christian authors. Take God's advice, right? So blessed are those who walk not in the counsel of the wicked. Oh, I heard they said this. I read this. It'll be blessed if you don't just walk with that advice guiding your life. Nor someone who stands in the way of sinners. The way, not meaning like blocking them, but standing in the road, the pathway. Say it that way. You know, person who doesn't just walk the same road as sinners. You know, narrow is the road to salvation, but broad is the way to destruction. Don't just walk the way, don't be a lemming. Don't just follow the crowd. Don't just agree. Don't just go with. People being angry, so we just get angry about something. We're like, I'm not actually sure what I'm angry about, but I, that, that was, I'm definitely angry. I, I think I heard something. I think I know something. Don't just take bad advice. Don't go along with the crowd. And the third one, nor one who sits in the seat of scoffers. You know, I love that sitting in the seat of mockers or scoffers is, is a chair. Because just picture someone sitting back, kind of crossing their legs, looking out at the world, and be like, look at that. These jokers don't know what they're doing. Look at that trial. What a mockery. Look at the situation. What injustice. Look at them. Look at, like, just the mockers' approach to life. I think Satan would love nothing better than to leave us sitting in our chair with our feet up and crossed, mocking the world, but doing nothing about it. That's not how Jesus lived. We're not just supposed to talk, 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 mock, mock, mock. Do all, like, not supposed to go, opt out of that, please. Jesus invites us to leave that approach behind, but instead to put on a demonstration of God's love. So then we have the flip side, the positive. 
I'm going to start from the beginning so we can get into it with the flow of the passage. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the road the way of sinners, nor one who sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, this blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. It's like, what does God think about this? Oh man, this is the biggest conversation. Uh, Just so hard to know what to do. What does God think about this? He delights in the law of God because he's fed up with the law of this world. And he's exhausted with the opinions and sinfulness of mankind. So he delights in God's thoughts. He, she, we, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. In the season. We're in a season right now. We need certain fruit to grow. And it's only going to happen if we've been delighting in God's law so that we can know how to apply it when that season comes. Yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Don't wither up on the vine, Christians. Just stand proud, you know, be, be bold and green leaves on the tree. Don't shrink away from conversations. Take God's truth and say, well, this is really challenging, but what would Jesus say about this? What did Jesus say about this? What does the word of God say about this? It yields its fruit in season, its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. But the wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Like in this whole thing, our job is not to fix the whole world or to judge everyone. Our job is just to put our roots down into God and to bear fruit when we have an opportunity. God will do the judging. God will judge every wrong that's been done justly. And for those that turn to him, including ourselves, he'll extend grace when we ask for it. We'll just repent and be forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. Like that's there for the taking for any who will receive. Become the children of God. To be forgiven by God's mercy. But those who do not, those who continue to take the counsel of the wicked, who walk in the sinful ways of the world, who just sit back and mock and never repent themselves of their own sins, never step out and love their neighbor as themselves, never love God. Like, no, there's just judgment in that way. The Bible's very consistent on this. God is a judge. And he's fair. So that actually means every wrong gets a punishment, right? Every, every wrong needs to be accounted for. So don't feel like we have to be the judges. We need to be trees. We need to bear fruit. And our fruit actually will make a difference. Maybe even grow into a garden. Maybe turn this earth green again with all the green leaves that we're showing instead of withering under pressure, our faith shrinking, our voices being stilled. But let's have God's voice. Let's not have our own voices. So I kind of turn the conversation over to you. I felt this week like I literally could say, all right, the point of these workshops is to hash things out. So what about the Chauvin trial? What are we going to do about that? And then just walk away and stop the recording and just let you figure that out. Because that ultimately is what we do. What are we going to do about this world that we live in? We don't just run and hide. We don't join in with the world's options. Let's demonstrate that there's some other way. What if every conversation you have about this is an opportunity to share God's opinion? Well, you've got to know God's opinion. I have to know God's opinion. But if we're rooted in Him, the fruit that we bear actually in our speech, but also in our behaviors, will absolutely present an alternative to the world. And maybe, just maybe, there's a lot of people out there in the world that are also tired of the world's options. It's either or. It's them versus us. It's take a side versus a side. It's division. That's not God's way. 
In Christ, there is no division. We're all one. No male, no female, no slave, no free, no Jew, no Gentile, no Scythian, barbarian. All are one. No old, no young. We had just become one in Christ. What would it look like if we spoke that message to the world right now of unity? If we had a demonstration, if every conversation was a demonstration motivated by love and not out of fear, like, oh, if we don't do something, this world's going to you know, go to hell in a handbasket. Well, the world's eventually going to burn. The Bible says so. Our job is not to stop the future from coming, but to be planted and to bear fruit now. So let's not be motivated by fear. Like, what if this happens to us? What if this happens to someone else? Like, the world is going to have its problems, but we're planted here as seeds of Christ that will grow and blossom to show the world that there's something else. And let's invite, just like Jesus did, as many people around us to opt out of the world's way of handling this with fear, world's way of handling this with division. And let's speak a message from God of what it would look like to be Christ in this situation. So Christians, followers of Christ, I leave you with these scriptures and ask you, please read them one by one, one at a time, out loud, and then discuss them together in your missional communities and say, what does this mean for us? How can we apply this scripture? And then as we work it out together, we're helping each other get the tools we need so as we go out into the world, we can have those same conversations. Our behaviors and our speech and our thoughts can become shaped and formed by the word of God. Now that has a chance to make a difference. That I believe is what we're called to do about it, is to be a tree planted in God's word. So God bless you as you have these conversations and in places where we disagree, come together around God's word as a source of truth. In places where the conversation is tough, don't give up on each other. Just keep working it out together with Christ as our goal, us drawing closer to him through God's word every step of the way. God bless you, missional communities.